Well, good morning, everyone. I trust you're enjoying the wonderful weather this weekend. It's good to see you here Sunday morning as we get back into our Daniel series. I hope you enjoyed our Mother's Day sermon. Pastor John Adams did a phenomenal job, and it was good hearing from each pastor as well as some of the kids who, who chimed in. But hey, now it's time to kind of work on the couple weeks left of our Daniel series. And so we're back in Lions Metaphorically in scripture, there's two lions we see. The roaring lion of faith, that wonderful lion of Judah, our heavenly father. But there's another lion. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Well, that's our adversary, the devil. And he roars with the roar of fear, trying to scare us and intimidate us. But our heavenly father is a roar of faith, reminding us he is with us even when times are most uncertain. So I pray that this lion series has inspired you and encouraged you to walk like a lion through this difficult time. And God in his sovereignty has decided that this sermon series would be done virtually. We didn't anticipate that when we began this series, but we have seen his goodness through this series and how the sermons have so perfectly lined up with our situation and have blessed you even in your homes. Well, each Sunday we've begun with a word during this series, and my word today is fragile. Fragile. The, the word means this, something that is delicate, flimsy, or easily broken. Is there anything in your house that you would consider fragile that's also precious to you? Now, if you just pointed at grandma, now that's not right. You know, that's not right. Maybe she is, but you know, you were, you once may be fragile too. But I'm thinking more of an object. What, what are some fragile objects in your house? Now, some of you might already have noted that I've got a mug here sitting on the table. Would you consider this fragile? I mean, I would. I mean, this isn't something that I think is incredibly durable, but, but many of the staff members have told me, these porcelain mugs are the real deal. They're tough. I mean, these are some really tough mugs, but do you think if I were to drop this just from this height right here, if I, like table height, do you think it would break? I mean, you go, well, what do you got there on the floor? I mean, I got a really thin, got a really thin like doormat carpet. Do you think this would break? Boy, it's intimidating to even think about dropping a mug on the ground. Um, but, but let's try it, huh? You think it'll break? Go around the house, like who votes it'll break? Who votes it's gonna be fine? Okay, here we go. I'm gonna drop it. I'm like nervous about dropping it. Oh, oh here we go, here we go. Whoo! It did not break at all. In fact, it doesn't even have a crack. You know, fragile things can hold up under pressure. But what about extreme pressure? What about pressure that kind of goes beyond just the typical pressure? I mean, what if I dropped it off the stage? Do you think it would last? Now, I've put down a piece of plywood on top of our hardwood because everybody knows we've got, a, we've got a basketball court here and, and that might actually be more precious than even this mug. I mean, we have hundreds of these mugs. We got one gym floor. So I did put that down. But do you think if I drop it from here, it would break or do you think it'll hold up under the pressure? 
what if we crank the pressure up? I mean, we really drop it. If I throw it down, do you think it'll break? Or do you think this thing's gonna hold up? Now, I, I got a spoiler alert. We've already done this and I know what's gonna happen. And you're actually gonna be surprised at this. Well, let's give it a shot, okay? Who, who thinks it's gonna last and who thinks it's gonna break, okay? Here we go. We're gonna put it under pressure. It broke. I guess it could only handle so much pressure. You know, people right now are fragile. Not just older folks, not just people with health conditions, not just people who've even had injuries. The toughest athlete out there, if you've ever had an injury, you realize that you have times feel fragile. But I'm talking about a different fragility. I'm talking about the fragileness that comes when emotions are put under extreme pressure. Have you um, shouted at somebody in the past two months? Have you thrown something? Have you lost your temper? Have you said something you wish you hadn't? Have you had conflict with someone and you wouldn't have otherwise, but you know the pressure you're going under? Have you handled yourself poorly in a meeting? Have you gotten an email that says, join this Zoom, and you resented the word Zoom? You feeling a little fragile right now? Are you tired of turning on your television and seeing social distancing and things like that? You feel fragile emotionally right now? So, so here's my question. If you're in that fragile state and you don't want to explode and you don't want to crack, because what happens when you shatter? You can hurt people around you. You saw that mug shatter into pieces. We don't want to get to that point. But you say, Chris, I can only take so much. I think it's so important in moments when we feel fragile that we know one who will go to for strength. We got to know who will go to for strength. Two, where we will go for answers. And three, how we will respond amid uncertainty. I mean, what do you want to be known for after this is over? How will people say, you handled this? How will your Lord say, you handled this time of uncertainty? especially in moments when you felt so fragile. Where are you gonna go to fortify your faith right now? Where are you gonna go to build it up? Because brother and sister, this is a time when many of us feel fragile and need to find strength and need to get answers and need to know how we're gonna respond and how we're gonna choose to respond. Because we're at a time where we go to YouTube for answers, other people's posts that just fit our personalities or our view of the subject. Um, we, we go to other people for strength, but they're falling apart too. I mean, we need better answers. We need ways to fortify ourselves. And today, we walk into chapter 
10 of Daniel. And we find the mighty Daniel. You say, Chris, I thought we were talking about fragility. And then you bring up Daniel. I mean, the guy's an absolute stud. He's never going to shatter. He's never going to break. That guy's the man. I mean, you're going to tell me that we could go to Daniel and see an example of him being fragile? We probably should pick like Moses. Remember, he was like, I can't speak, Lord. Or maybe we should pick Gideon. Remember, he was hiding when the angel came to him or when God came to him. I mean, let's, let's pick somebody like that. No. Daniel's our guy. Because in chapter 10, Daniel is literally falling apart. And he vents it all onto his God. And we get to watch this interaction. And we get to watch a broken man, a, a, a man fallen onto the ground. And we get to see God build him back up. Would you like to watch an example of God building someone back up when they're broken? Do you know somebody in your life who you would like to help build back up that's kind of falling apart right now? And you kind of need an example of it? Daniel chapter 10. We're going to call it fortified amid fragility. The vision of the terrifying man. Would you pray with me as we walk into probably for what many commentators, scholars say, they're the two chapters in scripture where there's really no comparisons. I mean, especially chapter 11 next week. I mean, there is really nothing in scripture like the insight and detail you're gonna see in these next two chapters. They're incredibly, incredibly um, exciting to walk through. And I trust it fortifies you if you're feeling a little bit fragile. Give yourself some grace. We're all going through a difficult time. Let me pray and we'll dig into the word of God today. Grab your Bibles, open up your, your, your app. Let, let's get into the word, Daniel 10. Heavenly Father, use today to inspire people, to encourage people, but, but Lord, we're really gonna work this word, fortify them if they're feeling fragile. For Lord, this is an incredible time for us believers to be great testimonies of strength and calm and assurance amid a world that is breaking apart at the seams emotionally. Jesus, may we be light during this time. May we not fall into the trap of fear, but may we walk in faith. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, the text begins in chapter 10 with Daniel once again kind of giving us the timeline of when he's saying this, okay? Here we go. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, okay, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. Now you remember, his name is Daniel, but when he went to Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar named him Belteshazzar, which is a Babylonian name, um, in a desire to kind of change who Daniel was. Oh, he gave him a new name, but he couldn't redefine Daniel. Daniel was a man of God. Daniel says, and the word was true. We can bank on this. This is a two plus two is four. This is truth, okay? And it was a great conflict. Daniel saw a great conflict. Interesting. What, what kind of conflict, Daniel? We've been, watching, we've been watching rams and goats and everything. What, what's this one gonna be? He said, I understood the word and I had understanding of this vision. Like Daniel's like, I didn't, I, I was confused on a couple of them. Remember one vision he saw and he got sick to his stomach? Well, this one, he's like, 
I get this one. I understand this one. And this one, folks, because he understands it, is causing him great conflict, emotional conflict. And Daniel's gonna kind of spill that. So he gives us a little background. Here it is. He says, this is what I was doing. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. I was fasting, I was mourning, and I was praying. I didn't eat delicacies, I didn't go near meat nor wine, I didn't anoint myself. So Daniel kind of stunk, okay? Three weeks. Some people say, I want to be like Daniel. Don't say you want to be like Daniel unless you're willing to be like Daniel. Have you ever prayed for anything for three straight weeks? Ignoring delicacies, ignoring things that you enjoy, ignoring comforts and setting them aside to beg the God of the universe to hear your prayers? I mean, this is the kind of guy We're getting a little glimpse into his life. And and you know, it's interesting. They say 21 days does something. If anybody practices something for 21 days, do you know what they often call it? A habit. If you do something for 21 days, it most often becomes a habit. Daniel, for three straight weeks, lived like this. 21 days, just begging the God of the universe. How many of you you pray something for a weekend and then give up on the prayer because you didn't get the answer? I've done it, I've done it, okay. How many of you prayed one week? God, I prayed one week for that. I prayed every time I ate lunch for a week. Okay, we're still not there, but but what on earth do you care so much about that you would spend 21 days praying for it? Would you do that for one of your kids if they were sick? Would you do it for your church? Who would you do that for, for your wife? for your husband. I mean, you got to love someone a lot to be in prayer for 21 days. That's how much Daniel loved his people, the Jews. That's how much Daniel cared. This is a man of depth of compassion. And watch what happens. On the 24th day, okay? So maybe the 22nd day, we just know it was the 24th day of the first month. As I was standing on the bank of the great river, Daniel likes to give his locations. Just a reminder, once again, these are actual geographic locations. This isn't some made up Bible story. This is an account, okay? I was standing on the bank of the great river. That is the Tigris. So he's right by the Tigris and he's been praying and he gets his answer, but it's in the form of a vision that none of us have ever witnessed only through reading Daniel's recording of it. Here's what he saw. He says, I lifted up my eyes and I looked and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz or Uphaz around his waist. Wow. So he's got, he sees this vision of a, of a being in a fine, what I would call priestly dress. And this gold sash around him tells us this is, this is an extremely special messenger. He continues, his body was like beryl. That's a flashing gemstone. So I just want you to picture flashing. His face was like the appearance of lightning, just 
bang, lightning strikes. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and legs were like the gleam of burnished bronze. And the sound of his words were like the sound of a multitude. I, I, I'm a big college football fan and I like going to big crowded events. That, that really sounds archaic right now in the time we're talking. I, I'm sure there will be a day again, but being in big crowds and you hear a roar of unison, it's powerful. You can almost, it feels like a wave of sound coming at you. Well, well this is what Daniel says. This, this, this thing he saw spoke and it just felt like hundreds of thousands of people were talking as his voice belted out. Wow. Daniel says, this is how I reacted to it. (laughs) And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the men who were with me. Other people were with you, Daniel? He goes, yeah, the men who were with me, they didn't see the vision. But a great trembling fell upon them, probably because they heard the sound of of it talking and they fled to hide themselves. What, What does that remind you of, New Testament believer? What does that remind you of? Yeah, Paul's conversion, right? Only Paul saw Jesus and the rest of them kind of like, they all, they all went from it, right? There's that bright light, but only, only Paul uh, got to experience that special revelation. So Daniel says, I was left alone and I saw this great vision and no strength, left in, no strength was left in me. I just kind of was like, just picture him just like kind of turning into like a Gumby type figure, just boom. My radiant appearance, which is great. I love that phrase. Daniel's like, I have a radiant appearance, okay? Was fearfully changed. I would compare this to going, I went as white as a ghost. Have you ever seen somebody just terrified? You ever spook someone? I remember one time hiding. I was hiding on my dad around the corner, okay? And he was coming this way. And I jumped out and I got to see my dad scared, but I kind of went flying down to the ground. He said, don't do that. And I retained no strength. Folks, this, what he saw, literally terrified him. He says, then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. You know what the idea here is? Dan just poof, passed out, fell on the ground, just was completely fallen like, a dead man onto the ground when he heard this. I mean, what did he see? I mean, this was the best he could do to explain it to us, but this is a powerful, powerful vision. Something that terrified him. You know, some commentators have said, boy, this is really similar to the response of John on the island of Patmos in the book of Revelation. Let me just read to you Revelation 117. Hear this. When I saw him, John writes, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. We see this as a, as a, as a pre-incarnate, as a vision of Jesus Christ. Like, John saw Jesus Christ. Now, this he may have flashed into the future, but here with Daniel, did he see a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ? Did he see an image of Jesus even before he came to the earth hundreds of years later? I mean, he's down the Old Testament. Is this this the son of God or is this an angel? Uh, Scholars are back and forth on who it was that Daniel actually saw. 
I kind of tend to lean towards that he saw the son of God and that the next person that talks to him is an angel. But there are many who believe that this was an angel and then another angel's coming. And those conclusions we can't draw completely together, but boy, it seems that that could have been the son of God showing up himself to, to Daniel right there that day. Well, it continues. Now we got Daniel laying on the ground and whether this is now another angel, we know this is an angel, or, or whether this is, continues to be the same person, um, we're not quite sure, but we do know this. Um, it was a supernatural being that comes up and touches him for the first time. And I, and I point that out because there's three touches, okay? You're gonna see three touches uh, of Daniel, and each time we learn something, okay? So follow with me, picture Daniel laying on the ground, just dead, Okay, he's just laying there, passed out. The image he saw just terrified him, boom. Okay, here we go. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And so if the first one was Jesus Christ, the son of God shows up, shows himself, he falls over dead. No one else is allowed to see him for no one can see God, but he's revealing himself just to Daniel. And now the second one is an angel coming up and touching him. He sets his trembling, sets him trembling on my hands and knees. So Daniel is being set on his hands and knees. Now he's trembling, but at least he's up. Okay. At least he's up. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, Man, greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you. Now understand, this is a supernatural being. You know, we know that Daniel was a man of great esteem. People respected him. Men looked up to him and listened to him because of the way he was able to interpret dreams and everything like this. We have heard throughout this book, mankind's estimation of Daniel. And my estimation of Daniel is very high. He's one of my heroes. But we get to hear heaven's estimation of Daniel in that statement. Daniel, heaven, the supernatural realm, looks at you and says, you are greatly loved. In, in, the, in the lower level of this, of this teaching, we see the idea is, literally speaking, man of preciousness. He's precious. Like that, like, like a, like something we, we love that's fragile and it's precious to us, Daniel is a precious, precious object, precious, precious child of God. And God sees that he's fragile and has sent a supernatural being to him to fortify him in his fragility. He says, stand upright, for now I have been sent to you and when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up and I'm trembling. Daniel's very honest and I'm trembling. And then he said to me, fear not, Daniel. Parents, do you understand the power of a calming word over a child? Do you understand the power of holding a child? That's what God's doing here. He sent a supernatural being to Daniel to say, hey, don't be afraid. There's no reason to be afraid. God, I've been praying. I've been praying for 21 days. I've been praying. And then this vision came and I saw this thing and I fall to the ground. I mean, just think what Daniel's going through. And, and you're like, fear not. But he continues. From the first day, 
you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. What? Child of God, did you hear that? Did you hear the insight we just got into the supernatural realm when we pray? Daniel had been praying for 21 days and you could argue wasn't being answered. And this supernatural being says to Daniel, the very first day, from the very first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself, your words have been heard. Folks, hear this, write this down if you're note taking, okay? Delay does not mean denial. Delay does not mean denial. It's right here in Daniel. We heard you, Daniel. We heard you praying. I was going for 21 days. Yeah, but day one, we were already listening. Well then, what, what was going on for 21 days if delay does not mean denial? What was going on for 21 days? And you are about to get some serious knowledge drop about the supernatural realm, okay? Buckle up, here it is. The supernatural being says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me, fought me for 21 days. For 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, Michael, the archangel, came to help me for I was left there with the kings of Persia. What? This supernatural being can't be talking about the actual kings of Persia. So are you telling me there is some sort of angelic realm, some sort of evil angelic realm working and over top of even these human governments? Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what this is saying. And for 21 days, the demonic realm or the evil angelic realm is fighting back this supernatural messenger from getting to Daniel. Because he started on that journey towards Daniel on day one. But it took him 21 days to get there. Let me tell you a little bit of something about the angelic realm. We covered this in our Revelation series. But can we just jump down in the seminary for just a few minutes? And let me give you a little angelology so this gets even more powerful for you. Here's the first thing you need to know about angels. They're created beings, okay? Job 38, 7 reminds us that these were created um, when, during creation. They have intelligence, okay? They show emotion. They cheer, they, they roar, they get excited for things. They speak loudly when they come talk to people on earth. They're stunning. People who see them fall over usually. Um, there's good ones and there's evil ones. But here's another thing. They're not little fat cherubs that are naked playing harps. They're militant beings we're reminded of in 2 Kings 19.35. They're mighty. They're innumerable. They're organized and they're even regional. They have dominions, okay? So when you say, what are angels? They're created beings, but they're militant beings. You have to understand that. You might say, well, what is their purpose? Here, here's some of them. They're messengers. Gabriel often is giving out messages. Fear not, I bring you glad tidings of great joy, he said to Mary, right? They love to carry God's messages when he asked them to. They're ministers. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was angels that appeared to him and ministered to him. They're worshipers. Revelation 4 tells us they're around the throne crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But they're also warriors. Psalms 103.20 reminds us they're mighty ones who carry out God's bidding. That's the purpose of angels. You say, well, well you called them militant. How are they organized? Well, angels kind of have ranks. Colossians reminds us there's rulers and principalities. That seems to be the lowest rank. 
There's another rank called the seraphim and cherubim. They show up in Isaiah as well as Exodus. Now, now the seraphim are guardians. It was a seraphim that was put outside the Garden of Eden um, when Adam and Eve sinned to guard it. The cherubim are more worshipers, right? You've sung about them, holy, 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 seraphim and cherubim, right? You've been singing about these angels. That's that sacred rank. But then there's another rank and that's the chief princes. We know Gabriel's one and we also know Michael, the archangel of God is another. You said there were good angels and there were evil angels. Where the evil angels come from? Well, there was one specific angel who was a cherub, okay? He was referred to as the day star. He was stunning, gorgeous. And Ezekiel tells us because of his beauty, he became proud and wanted to be like God and ascend and be worshiped instead of God. Angels are not to be worshiped nor prayed to. We see countless times in scripture where they're told, do not do that. Lucifer desired it. Lucifer was created good. All that God created was good, but Lucifer chose to sin. And in doing so, we're told he took a third of the angels with him. They've become evil angels and they're demonic and they work in his realm for his purposes. He's basically copied God's organization of his holy angels with these evil angels. And these evil angels somehow had dominion over the princes of Persia. And there was a supernatural conflict going on that Daniel could not see, but this supernatural being allowed him to be privy to. And the conflict was, there was an angel seeking to get to Daniel when he started praying to tell him and to fortify him and to reassure him. But there was an evil group of angels fighting him back. But the archangel Michael came and helped this supernatural being, one of the chief princes, and came to me and I was left there with the kings of Persia. So Michael comes, I mean the stud of studs by the way, Michael is also the one who will one day throw the devil into the fiery furnace. He will beat him and crush him. Michael, the archangel, terrifies the devil because the devil knows his future is coming with this guy when God says, Michael, take him out, okay? And Michael's not worried he might win that battle. So Michael came and helped this supernatural being that's speaking to Daniel, and he finally got to Daniel. And so Daniel is listening to this. Okay, okay, and, and he says, and, and the angel says, look, look, I, I got help from Daniel and I came to make you understand what is gonna happen to your people in the latter days. I mean, that's what you were praying for, Daniel. For 21 days, you wanted understanding. I've come for the vision. It's for the days yet to come. It's for the now. I can give you the now, but it's also a future vision too. But I've been 21 days fighting to get to you, Daniel. For 21 days, I've been fighting to get to you. Even more, so much so that I was fighting to get to you that, that Michael, the archangel, came and supported me and, and we kicked off the demonic realm when we got to you and I'm here, Daniel. And, I, and Daniel says, when he spoke that word to me, according to these words, I turned my face to the ground and was mute. Just too much for Daniel to take in. But I listened to that. And I stand in awe of the angelic realm. And I'm reminded of this very thing, child of God, whether I can see it or not. God is fighting battles for me I cannot see. 
For 21 days, God was fighting a battle for Daniel. He couldn't see. What if Daniel stopped praying? As that angel was charging towards him. God, give me the strength. Give me the passion to pray like Daniel. Daniel's mute. He's just standing there silent. And he says, and behold, one in the likeness of the children of man. He kind of looked like a human, okay, but still supernatural. He touched my lips. And then I opened my mouth and I spoke. And you're gonna hear a I spoke and then he is gonna speak kind of moment here. I said to him, Daniel just vents. Oh my Lord, by the reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I don't retain any strength. I'm feeling pains and I don't have any strength. And it's just too much for me. There's too much uncertainty. There's too much fear of the future. There's too much darkness out there. It's, it's overwhelming me. And then he continues, says, how, how can my Lord's servant, he's talking about himself, even talk with my Lord? I'm not even worthy to talk to you. For now, my strength, it doesn't remain in me and no breath is left in me. I'm, I'm weak. I have no stamina. I'm scared. I can barely breathe. Again, he's touched. One having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. It's like Daniel's talking, talking, and touched. Have you ever just bearing your soul to someone and they just kind of tapped you? Like, I'm with you. I understand. But he's gonna speak some of the most powerful words of reassurance in all of scripture to Daniel. You ready? Let these flow right to you, child of God. And he said, oh man, greatly loved. You see, when we're praying for a long time and we don't see answers, you know what the devil does? You're not loved. Oh man, greatly loved. You know what happens when we don't have any certainty in our life? We get scared and we think God's not in control. Fear not, fear not. You know what happens when we got a lot of uncertainty and we're praying and we don't see answers and there's a lot going on in our life? We lack peace and we have this tension in our soul. Peace be with you. Here it is. I'll give you peace. But I, I feel weak. I feel weak and, and I, I need some reassurance that I'm gonna be okay. Be strong and be of good courage. The same words spoken to Joshua are being spoken to Daniel and are be spoken to you, child of God, in your moments of fear. And listen how Daniel says this. Look, look at this. I love this. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And I said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Come on, keep talking to me. I'm loving this. You're gonna be okay. I give you peace. This is gonna work out. God's in control. And I just felt, you ever get strengthened by somebody's reassurance? Even by somebody saying, hey, you scared you? I'll go with you. I feel nervous. Well, we're gonna be okay. And it's one thing for another person to say it, but when the Lord says it, oh, it spoke to him. And, and so I put together what Daniel spoke versus what the angel spoke or the supernatural being. Here it is. I am terrified. Fear not. I'm unworthy to talk. You are greatly loved. I have pains in me. Peace be with you. 
I have no strength. Be strong. I can barely breathe. Be of good courage. There's no reason to be so scared. Can I ask you, child of God? We do a lot of talking in our prayer life. We do a lot of talking in our heads. We listen to a lot of posts. We watch a lot of YouTube. We turn on a lot of news. Who's doing the talking right now in your life? The voices of fear and feelings or the voices of truth and fortification of strength? Which are you listening to? Which are you bombarding yourself with? The angel finishes. Do you know why I've come to you, Daniel? But now I'm gonna return and I'm gonna fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. Wait till you see next week's chapter 11. The prince of Greece we're gonna have to deal with and all the demonic forces behind a lot of those movements. But I'm gonna tell you why I came. He says, I'm gonna tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. I'm gonna share with you what is about to actually happen on earth before it happens. There is none who can test by my side against this except Michael, your prince. Michael fights for you, Daniel. And then he says, as for me, in the first year of Darius, the Mede, remember Darius who threw him into the lion's den? I stood up to confirm him and strengthen him. Whoa. You mean there is also a supernatural being that was standing by Darius's kingdom? Yes. You mean the governing authorities really aren't in control. God's in control of this whole thing. And this goes beyond even my concept that God is ultimately in charge of this, but evil definitely wants to hurt people. And God uses this supernatural beings in the time we wait for his return to wage war against evil until the moment Jesus says, it's time to come. God sends in the second coming, Jesus Christ. Man, I can't wait for that day. But I'm so excited to have this calm assurance that regardless of whatever happens to me, I know I'm gonna see my savior face to face. Do you have that calm assurance amidst all this uncertainty? Next week, I'm gonna share the book of truth. But I wanna close by asking our question. When you feel fragile, who do you go to for strength? Where do you go for answers? How do you respond amid uncertainty? The Lord offered Daniel three touches, three divine touches. You say, well, that'd be great. If Jesus were gonna touch me right now, I'd probably feel a lot better. But just three touches, three truths. I, I want you to just let's summarize our, our passage today and let's, let's write these down. Let's, let's put these in our heart for this time of uncertainty so it can fortify us. Here, here's the first one we learned from this text today. I am listening to you. From the first moment Daniel prayed, child of God, when you pray, God wants us to know from this text, I'm listening, I hear you. Charles Spurgeon says, come boldly, believer, for despite the whispers of Satan and the doubts of your heart, you are greatly loved. How awesome is that? I'm listening to you. Here's the second thing we've learned from this text today. 
I am fighting for you. Scripture says that angel was 21 days at war. Jim George writes, spiritual warfare is the unseen battle God wages on your behalf. Lord, thank you for fighting for me, battles that I don't even see. And then third, this text says, I wanna remind you, I'm reassuring you. I'm a reassuring God. And he came to reassure Daniel. Spurgeon writes, to trust God in the light is nothing. But to trust him in the dark, that's faith. Three divine touches that fortified Daniel amid fragility when he felt fragile. I'm listening to you. I'm fighting for you. I am reassuring you. Which one do you need to hear right now? You say, well, God's not touching me. Hang on. I'm listening to you. Where do you learn that truth? From scripture. This is an area you should be depending on far more than any social media. I'm fighting for you. Yes, we have people fighting for rights and different things like that, and that's good that we have people in political positions, but we know more importantly, our heavenly father's fighting for us, and he's the one who's ultimately in control. Do you feel like no one's fighting for you? That's false. God is fighting for you, and I'm reassuring you. Psalm 61, two says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Isn't it funny to think about how many times God touches us in ways that are divine touches? He sends people to offer you an encouraging word just at the right time. He sends his other children to fight for you and to stand by you in difficult times. And he uses people in your life to reassure you with a calming text. Folks, you have no idea what you've done for your staff and for your pastors over the past weeks as we've been apart, reassuring us, reminding us you're there, reminding us you're gathering, and giving us courage to continue on even in this time of great uncertainty. You're praying for us and you're supporting us. We've had the chance to do that too as pastors and as staff, we've been able to reach out to you. But it's been neat to hear God's divine touches through really neat providential circumstances. We've heard of people paid off their last car payment the very day they found out that their job had laid them off. We hear stories of how God provided something for them where their former situation would have fallen apart during this time. We hear countless things and times of people saying, God was setting me up to get through this. And some have even allowed us as a church to come and bless them with food and meals and even financial gifts for those in need. You feeling fragile? I believe God wants to come to you and wrap you up in his love right now. You know, I got another mug. It's over here. But this time I want to approach this differently. It's the same mug. And you could argue it's still the same fragility. And I'm going to throw it down. But this time, I'm going to give it the touch of God. I'm going to wrap it up in God's love. Have you ever embraced the love of God? 
For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Is that you sitting there today? Are you fragile? Call on the name of the Lord. You say, but, but, but I, I'm unworthy. We're, we're all unworthy before God calls us. We all have sin. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. Repent, turn from your sin, call on him and let him wrap you up in his love and let him fortify you with his promises. Let him just surround you with his words and his truth and his hope. Let you feel that strength. And if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, scripture says you're in Christ. And now it's not just your strength that's gonna go through this trial because in your own strength, you'll fall. Apart from Christ, I can do nothing. But those who are in Christ are treated like they've lived the life of Christ. God greatly loves them and the devil can't define them. And when God looks at you, he sees Christ. He doesn't see Chris and all his shortcomings. He sees Christ. That's why there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ because all my sin, past, present, and future is paid for and covered by the work of Jesus Christ. And when I'm fortified and I'm wrapped up and I'm locked in by his love and I have Jesus Christ, people say to me, Chris, this feels too much. I thought God promised. He said, he said I'll never let you go through anything you can't handle, but, but you forgot the one piece. He said, with me, you need me. And therefore, he lays out a bedrock of his foundation. He gives us a promise that you're gonna fall sometimes and there'll be difficult times in life. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. I've got you. And even when life gets difficult, remember the reassurance and fortification of scripture that I'm with you always. I'm right there in this with you. I don't know where you're at today, but I pray that you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior and you experience not circumstances, but providential touches of God through this, of him reminding you he loves you, he cares for you, and he's with you always. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, if there's anyone out there today that's particularly fragile this morning, would you use this sermon to bless them and encourage them but would you also use this sermon to remind them if they're exposed and fragile and on their own that they need a savior. They're lost and they're gonna crack. But you wanna come into their life and be their Lord. May they call upon your name and say, God, wrap me up in your love. Fulfill your promise that you'll be my savior if I call upon your name. Forgive me of my sin and treat me as if I live the life of Christ. Put me in Christ. I wanna be in your hands during this time. Lord, I believe there's no perfect way to say it. No exact prayer. You know their heart. And if they're sitting there today on their couch, on a chair, even with their family, may they call on your name and say, God, I'm fragile. Forgive me of my sin and be my savior. Put me in Christ. I need your fortification. Lord, I pray for everyone today 
that they would desire if they're a believer to go find somebody they might know is fragile right now and reach out to them and comfort them in this difficult time. We know you're faithful, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I pray this fortifies you that God is still in the business of encouraging his kids when they feel fragile.